Hey all, welcome to episode 89 of the Switch Focus podcast. I'm your host Andy Corrigan, uh, with me is Andrew Brown. Hello. And uh, no Ginny this week, uh, still jet-lagged from her adventures in Seattle at PAX West. Uh, but that doesn't mean we haven't got a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about uh, Nintendo's new exercise tease, uh, all the latest news from the latest Nintendo Direct, uh, the Spyro trilogy, Creature in the Well, Super Kirby Clash and Astral Chain. So let's get on with it. Okay, so the latest Switch news. Uh, first of all, I, I doubt we'll have much to say on it because it was just a, a bit of a tease uh, on Nintendo's part, but they showed off a weird rubber ring exercise thing that you plug your Joy-Cons into. Certainly wasn't what I was expecting. <laughs> what are your thoughts? <laughs> Unexpected is the word because uh, like, stuff like this on the Wii was popular yet also a punchline. But, like, the Wii Balance Board, you know, my parents had one. I didn't have one. But, like, are parents playing the Switch now still? I wasn't aware it had that same crossover appeal. So I'm looking at this product and I'm like, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> but I, I could be completely wrong, too. I mean, I, I completely ignored Labo, too. So I don't know. Maybe that's, Maybe this is plugging into a demographic that i'm just i'm not even aware is is playing the switch it could just be a silent demo i guess i I guess we can't really tell what it is properly until we see the the software and the screen of it we've just seen people waving things around uh which i've seen used to comical effects on the internet so far people leeching from it to to make good memes the other point to take from this is obviously the joy cons not dead despite the switch light uh they obviously still see a place for that in going forward so that that's that's good to see uh but jury's out on what it is but uh yeah i think that'll uh, that'll be a pass even from the guy that tried labo <laughs> uh and then the big news uh was the uh, nintendo surprised us all with a, a direct on september 4th or 5th over here in australia uh, and we're just going to run through the news uh a lot of it was just sort of reconfirming upcoming releases things already new the deadlines all the features uh release dates all that sort of jazz so we'll just go through the new stuff first of all uh was the confirmation that overwatch is coming to switch uh the things we've learned since the direct is that it's being ported by iron galaxy who are a very very good porting company uh it'll run at 30 fps uh expected um andrew you have some concerns about whether competitive players would get along with that well it's not concerns it's a fact uh if it's not running at 60 fps it's not competitive standard so Mm -hmm. you you wouldn't see them doing it anyway because competitive players play with a mouse and a keyboard but like even for like you know just just practice or just for fun this this is non-viable for the competitive scene and you know we had game like like rocket league which runs at 60 fps and if you like to play Rocket League competitively, you can do it on the Switch. It's viable. But that is not going to be a thing you see on Overwatch. If you play on the Switch, you are going to be a casual player. And that's, you know, not a huge deal. Uh, most people don't even care. Most people won't even know the difference. But if you have aspirations of breaking into pro Overwatch, this is not where you're going to be doing it at. No. Uh, this is a fun aside, though. I'm definitely going to get it. But I'll get on to that shortly. Uh, Other news that came from that is going to have native voice chat, uh, which is good. You don't have to use the Nintendo app. Uh, It has gyro controls. Um, I have hit and miss experience with 
gyroscopic controls in. I like yeah. it when it's used just for fine tuning your aim and not for complete aim, as in like Splatoon, because that was just I turned that right off straight away. Um, no pro- cross progression with other platforms. You can't bring your skins or graffiti tags over with you. So everyone starts from scratch. Uh, I'm not too concerned with that because I, I barely played any on, on the PS4, but I have been playing a little on the PC. It's not a big deal. This is just going to be a jump in uh, for occasional fun here. Uh, they haven't decided on cross-play yet. That might be coming. There is a physical version, but it's just an empty box with a code, which is annoying. Uh, and Why? Means I'll buy it digitally. <laughs> what uh, is the point besides wasting plastic? Uh, anyway. Yeah. The real discussion point is what are we going to call it on the show? Is it going to be Overswitch? Overswatch? I think I like Overswitch. I like Overswatch just because it keeps the sound, but Overswitch, Overswitch, I think would confuse fewer people. <laughs> and and it's how both of them sound like you're overclocking your PC to, to run better than it should. Now, the thing we were going to briefly talk about is, is it still worth the money when Paladin's on switch is free so when this got announced i got a bit excited and i i bought overwatch on on pc i've been <laughs> playing a little bit this week i also spontaneously spend money when i get excited <laughs> it's uh it's for research so i i can definitively answer how well it runs on switch when it comes out sure comparison to the pc version um <laughs> as regulars would know like i don't really like online gaming that much except for a few particular games um i loved paladins when it hit switch uh it, it was great played well looked looked fantastic uh playing overwatch on pc because it is a, a game where you pay up front for it um everything feels a lot less scuzzy it doesn't have that like free-to-play sort of layer to it like every character that comes out is available for you to use it's yeah you have to unlock them through grinding currency or spending real money on them which is good yeah uh, getting the currency in paladins to unlock new characters it really isn't that big a deal it's it's not the premium currency it's just the play currency that's what you use to unlock new characters Mm -hmm. and it's really not that big a deal i have to say you have to do it which you don't have to do in overwatch so that's a thing but really I, i i see that as a plus for paladins more stuff to unlock cool <laughs> yeah I, I guess i'm just i uh, free to play stuff has that you know like buy me siren sort of thing when you log on to it and uh, overwatch yeah. sort of avoids that and that's just like instantly more pleasurey it really doesn't though <laughs> overwatch goes in hard on loot boxes it goes in hard and it's why i quit mm, playing it i i haven't felt the need to worry too much about that i'm, I'm just sort of getting them as i unlock as i level up so like I don't, yeah it's, it's not begging me or um and i know that like, the battle passes add ec- extra things for you to do like i don't really miss that i'm just here to play play the game so yeah we're probably just on different viewpoints for like what we want to get out of these sorts of things uh, and yeah. I, I i would say paladin's probably like if you want to if you want that unlocking progression system that's definitely one to look at yeah like, I haven't played Overwatch in years, like, literally years, because I, I thought it was boring, so I quit playing. But, like, I do need to unlock things to keep me engaged, and that was my problem with Overwatch. I was not unlocking things. I would play hours a night to unlock one loot box when you level up, and then I wouldn't 
everything in it would be like you know skins and sprays mm-hmm. uh, that I was not using. So it got really demoralizing after a while. I know they've 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 revamped how that works now. Uh, like I know you can even earn like the credits now to just buy things outright that you want just by doing the the class queue, but it's still loot boxes, which. It, I really did like Overwatch as a game. I really enjoyed it. It just did, did, did not keep me engaged because I already had all the characters and everything I wanted to unlock was in a loot box and I wasn't getting it. So <laughs> yeah, I, like, you, I feel like yeah. you need the you need the meta game there as well, like that. Yeah, that mm-hmm. whole side thing. And I I generally don't because I tend to dip in and out of these things. So yeah, but. Paladins has a battle pass that totally keeps me coming back every day to play. If Overwatch would implement a battle pass, I would come back. But <laughs> I don't know if that's ever going to happen. I think it's going to be up to legislation in several European countries. It's going to be determining uh, whether Overwatch sticks with the loot box scheme or switches to a battle pass. But if they do go to a battle pass... I'm there. I mean, on Switch. I, I I will buy it, and I will be playing it again. Nice. Well, I'm pretty excited. I can't wait. Uh, so uh, we'll see how that pans out when it comes out next month. Uh, so next up, uh, they showed off a new 4v4 party mode for Luigi's Mansion 3. Um, honestly, I'm probably not getting that game for the multiplayer stuff, and I've not played the first two. I should probably get yeah. on that. <laughs> first one is super short. You can get through it in a day. Okay, cool. Uh, uh, I've got that on GameCube here. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I was going to grab it on uh, 3DS just so I could take it around with me. But they surprised us with a new free-to-start Kirby game called Super Kirby Clash that came out on the day of the Direct. Um, we were going to talk about it in the what we played, but do you want to just give us your your findings on this one so far, Andre? You've been checking it out? Yeah, this is a, a free-to-start you know, Kirby game. It's got pretty high production values. I have a, a feeling they they borrowed some assets from Kirby Star Allies to make this game, uh, and basically it's Kirby Monster Hunter. Really, that's that's what it is in terms of the flow. Uh, you play as one of four Kirby's in a match, and the other three are either controlled by the AI or controlled by other people on the internet, depending upon the mode you're in. And you pick one of four classes. You got the tanky swordsman, there's the high damage hammer guy. Uh, you can play as an alchemist who has a healing, like a healing aura they can leave on the ground. And you can play as a mage who can put a time stop effect on enemies by charging up their attack. And all you do is you, you select a mission and you're dropped onto just a, a single screen battlefield and it's you and three other people versus a super powerful like boss version of Kirby enemies. And you gain experience levels and if you accomplish certain feats in each battle or, or you finish it in certain ways you get heroic ranks and there's 900 heroic ranks to get. Uh, and there's a premium currency, there's gem apples, which you get every 12 hours, or you can buy more with real money, and that's how that works. And it's got two stamina meters in it called Vigor, and one of them controls playing in the story mode, and one of them controls playing online, and, you know, each mission costs a certain amount of Vigor, and you've just got to sit around and wait for it to replenish every 10-15 minutes or so. And there's a bunch of other currencies that you can get just by plugging in Amiibo or just by doing uh, basic missions. Every time you finish a match, you get all these different rewards and you can use them to buy new upgrades, 
and new weapons, new armor, that kind of thing. You know, it, it really, it really does feel like a a very stripped down Monster Hunter game that just happens to star Kirby and has <laughs> Kirby style side scrolling gameplay. I really enjoyed it. I was, I was expecting to just to just play it just so I could talk about it, but I actually was enthusiastic about it, which caught me by surprise. But it, there's. It's a free-to-start game, so it's not really something that's trying to keep you playing. Uh, it doesn't have, like, all those scuzzy steam- schemes, like, you know, like with Paladins that we just talked about, where if you don't log in, you don't get this reward. So that that's kind of the problem I'm running into, is with everything else I'm trying to play, I see this easily getting lost in the shuffle, because there's, aside from my just pure enjoyment of it as an online multiplayer game, there's nothing to keep me coming back to it every day. Uh, so that's the, that's the thing. But, you know, if you're not like me, you're not trying to play, you know, two dozen games in the month of September and you've, you've got some free time. This is a totally free game. It's a, a really good, you know, Kirby boss fighting game, basically. Uh, and I think you'd have a good time with it. Um, next up was the Trials of Mana remake. Uh, now, Trials of Mana was uh, released for the first time, uh, translated in the West as part of the, the Mana collection that we talked about in the last episode. Um, are you interested in replaying this in the remade version, or did the remake of Secret of Mana put you off a little? This looks like a much more substantial product than that Secret of Mana remake was, which was just Secret of Mana with high-definition polygonal graphics. This looks like an actual remake of the game that, you know, keeps the same character designs and it looks like the world is pretty similar but i i expect them to expand on this significantly it took me about 20 hours to finish trials of mana i would be surprised if this isn't at least a 40 hour rpg but uh, i'm i'm into it. it especially having like literally just beaten trials of mana in the past week and this is out in april uh i think it would be actually be interesting to play an original and then it's brand new remake in that close a period of time so i'm not yeah. I'm not turned away by this idea at all. I'm I'm into it. Nice. This is going to be one of those ones I buy on day one and then put on the shelf until I get around to playing the collection. <laughs> so, but I, I will want to own it. <laughs> Next up was the return of the Obra Dinn, uh, which is sort of a first-person investigation game, all done in like monochromatic stuff so it looks kind of like a game boy game so it feels at home on a nintendo console and use like rewind features to uh replay the things uh that happened on this ship that suddenly turned up on on a dock uh it looks super interesting uh next up is game freaks a new game little town hero soundtrack by toby fox which is a nice surprise and the version on the us eShop is the japanese language version and players will have to download an english language pack which is Definitely a little, little strange, uh, strange order of doing things. But I know some people love playing with the, the Japanese voice acting, regardless. And uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, looked interesting, like a, a light JRPG. Um, yeah, the way it's just kind of being put out there, like just just suddenly like this with almost no warning, and it's it's twenty five dollar price point in the US, and you know like it's it has a localization, but it's not being done like officially you just get to download the patch after the fact and it's coming out october 16th which is the day after switcher comes out i mean (laughs) i i have a lot of hesitations about how this is being 
you know thrust upon us suddenly and i'm not gonna have time to play it anyway so i i I don't know about this one i think i'm gonna back burner this one until it gets a price drop yeah like they they showed it off very briefly in a previous direct it didn't even have it didn't even have a name at that point no and they've not even shown much of it now so yeah i mean it looks interesting looks very cutesy uh and we'll see how it pans out but yeah the the way that they have sort of just suddenly have a release date for it after not talking about it at all is is interesting yeah i think it's gonna be a pretty small game i, I think people said oh from the cre- from the developer of pokemon this is going to be the next big thing nah this looks like just like a just a little thing side project yeah yeah um next up we've got a, a raft of super smash brothers ultimate news there's new me fighter costumes including the the dude from undertale uh banjo kazooie came out on the day of the direct uh, which is really cool they showed off a bunch of that immediately after the direct including uh remastered audio tracks from grant kirkhope andrew you had some concerns about the spiral mountain stage yeah just its gimmick is it, it it's a 3d level that rotates like every so often but it, it never stops like functioning like a 2D stage to the players that are actually playing on it. And I, I just see that causing all kinds of motion sickness problems <laughs> for people. Yeah. But y- y- you just turn that feature off. You know, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, Terry Bogard from uh, SNK's fighting series is got announced as the next competitor coming in November 2019. Andrew, you felt this was the least interesting of the SNK characters, but I did love that reveal video. I guess I, I I had no idea what any of that was about. <laughs> I was like, uh, I I was I was on my phone during that segment. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was just a. This is not for me. <laughs> it was just a, a guessing game where the the invitation was just flying between character and character, and then it was Terry Bogard that got it. I know who Terry Bogard is. I had no idea who the rest of those characters were. Uh, my feelings on this one is that. Um, we never had any of SNK's arcade cabinets when around when I was a kid. It was all Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat. Uh, and the Neo Geo stuff was incredibly expensive that it was never a viable option. Um, so I just don't have the history that other people seem to have at that one. But people were very happy and I'm happy for them. Yeah, this this was big in Japan. Uh, SNK is huge in South America. But like, that's just how Smash Brothers is being targeted towards a more international audience. And that's great. Yeah. I mean... Banjo-Kazooie, I was thrilled, okay? So somebody else can have Terry Bogart, yeah. that's fine. <laughs> um, they also announced that even though there's still one of the uh, fighters to come in that current pack, there'll be another wave of DLC fighters. Um, I think most people expected that. I still haven't jumped back into Smash Brothers for ages, even though I keep doing yeah. the update to get the characters. But Whenever they put a new character out, I'll get on it, I'll play through the classic mode with them. It takes me about 15 minutes, and then I'm back to having nothing to do so i just i'm just done i I did everything in this game and back in december i'm just i'm i don't want to say i'm disappointed because i thoroughly enjoyed it and i totally feel like i got my money worth but i'm just surprised because smash 4 took me years to do everything in it i definitely sort of tapped out after i finished uh, world of light and I'm, I'm sort of hoping for like another story expansion like that to come. yeah that would be nice um but we'll see how that goes uh, they surprised us with a single player dlc for splatoon so who knows uh next up um my one word for this upcoming one is is finally uh tokyo mirage <laughs> sessions fe encore 
Uh, it's coming yeah. on January 17th, 2020. Uh, this I was a game that I bought on Wii U but didn't get a chance to play, and I my Wii U has just been set up this entire time just on the hope that I find some time to play this one, <laughs> and now I can finally retire my Wii U to my office. I just conceptually alone, it, it is very wacky, and I want in at some point, and now I have the perfect opportunity. So, uh, yeah, you, did you play this one at all, Andrew? Yeah, I had it on Wii U, and it came out the summer that I was in the middle of a big move, so I moved like right in the middle of playing the game and never got back to it. But I was into this game surprisingly, uh, very surprisingly to some people who probably know the kind of games that <laughs> I like and the kinds of games I don't like, because uh, this is a super anime game, uh, and it's also combining uh, Shin Megami Tensei, which is why it's the Tokyo Mirage Sessions TMS or SMT backwards, and it has Fire Emblem characters in it as well. But really, the Fire Emblem stuff is pretty superficial it's mostly cosmetic like tiki uh, helps you with weapon upgrading i i seriously played this game for like 25 hours and didn't even know tiki was a fire emblem character that's how <laughs> irrelevant it is <laughs> but it, it does have the weapon triangle in it that's okay. that's like that's the biggest thing it took from fire emblem uh i don't want to say this is like a, a a factual exploration of like Japanese idol culture, but it, it helped me to understand like what Japanese idol culture is, uh, because I, I had no idea going into this game. So it, it helped me learn a few things, and uh, it's a good RPG. So I, I'm very excited for it to be out on Switch. And like, this is the game where you have a, a soda commercial becomes one of your attacks. It's it's an amazing game. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up, they announced uh, Deadly Premonition 2, A Blessing in Disguise, is coming sometime next year. That was a huge surprise for people who completely loved the original, despite all the flaws, um, or reported flaws. I've, I've never experienced it. Again, one of those that's been on my to playlist forever. Uh, and then they surprised everyone with the original Deadly Premonition out now on Switch called Deadly Premonition Origins. Yeah, you sampled either of those? All I know is Deadly Premonition's reputation <laughs> that like it's a it's a wonky game and you either love it for its wonkiness or you just you you refuse to play it. <laughs> I I'm not super motivated by these games. <laughs> Divinity Original Sin two, after being promised like in passing like ages ago it's finally out no. now came out you're thinking of you're thinking of pillars of eternity this is a completely different no no, no no this was announced this they talked about it like years ago like oh yeah it's gonna come to switch at some point oh, i have yeah. no memory of yeah. that okay like, no one no one did and i like i could uh, i found the the original news post and it was just sort of on its own oh. sort of just came and went and no one no one took advantage of it or no one else reported Never it. mind. Um, but yeah, it came out on the day of the Direct. has uh, cross-save functionality with the Steam version, which is uh, really cool. I'd like to see more games do that. Now we did talk about the possibility of Doom 64. That got confirmed in this Direct. That's coming November 22nd. And, you know, I'm down with how much Doom I've played in the past mm -hmm, couple of weeks. Yeah. And by all accounts, this is a very good one. It's awesome. <laughs> it's my personal favorite <laughs> Doom game. So, nice. yeah. Uh, Rogue Company is a new game coming out in 2020. Uh, just, it kind of looks like a generic class-based shooter, sort of. Yeah. It's from Hi-Rez Studios, who, uh, who did Paladins that we've been talking yeah. about. And I, I just looked at this game and I'm like, 
This is from High Res Studios. It just does not like look like their their usual work, but it does look like you know what they work in. Yeah, free to play online multiplayer games. But I'm just I I, I I don't know what audience was asking them to make this game, and yet here it is. Yeah, well I'll tell you what happened for me was uh, I've been playing some Rainbow Six Siege because I got it on, ah, on sale on, on that must be it. On, okay, and, and then I, when it came on, I was like, oh, hang about, this looks a little like it could be taking a bit from. Rainbow Six Siege, and then so I, under normal circumstances, I probably wouldn't have even cared that this got announced. Yeah. But just just because of what I've been playing over the past couple of weeks, it's ooh, ooh maybe this could be all right. So, well, Rainbow Rainbow Six Siege has been this generation's like unspoken success story. Like their their audience retention is ridiculous. Yeah. It's been a huge success for them. So that makes perfect sense now that now that you've said Rainbow Six Siege is like, "Oh, yeah, yeah. right. Okay. Great." Uh, and and that is very good and I will give this a chance because I just it just sort of picked up my ears in in passing. But um then they gave us some new Pokémon Sword and Shield uh news, uh new clothing options. Um so you can dress up your avatar. Uh, yeah you're excited <laughs> I, I really got into it in the 3ds games <laughs> i don't know why it's disappointing that like you're just dressing like just like a default paper doll you can't really you know change your character's like body shape any so it, that's kind of disappointing but what what you can like actually customize you you, you can compare completely change how the character looks it barely looks like the same person even though they have the exact same body type that's really the only concession but uh i i I wanted to see this i wanted to see what they could do know that they have so much storage space and so much power to work with and it looks like you can really get down uh into the customization on this and uh I don't know why I love this feature so much (laughs) in the pokemon games but i am here for it uh they also announced that uh it's got a new feature called Pokemon Camp where you can sort of interact with yours and other Pokemon and you can make curry rice for some reason. I don't know. I, I'm already <laughs> sold on this game. I don't need to make curry rice. <laughs> and there's a curry rice dex that you have to fill in. I was like, uh, that looks like something I would like to do, the curry rice <laughs> stuff, but everything else just looked like pokemon me you know, the thing that I will laugh at gifs on the internet, but when I'm actually playing the game, I will never touch yeah. that. Yeah, I'm with you. Um... They also announced finally that Super Nintendo games were coming to Switch. They came out like the day after. Uh, 20 games initially. Um, they said that there will no longer be monthly updates for neither the NES or SNES online apps, but updates will keep coming. Um, we're just going to rush through the list of SNES games that are out, um, but then Andrew wanted to stop and praise one or show one for a second so let me just do the list first so we've got brawl brothers breath of fire demon's crest f-zero joe mac 2 lost in the tropics kirby's dream course kirby's dreamland 3 pilot wings star fox stunt race fx super edf earth defense force super ghouls and ghosts super mario kart super mario world super mario world 2 yoshi's island super metroid super poyo poyo 2 super soccer super tennis and the legend of zelda a link to the past uh, so Demon's Crest. Demon's Crest is incredible. It's the third game in the Gargoyles Quest series, which if you've never heard of that, that's okay. <laughs> uh, you play as this demon firebrand who recently became the champion of all the demons. He assembled all the gems of the Demon's Crest, which basically gives him the power of a god. And yet somehow he manages to get ambushed by his rival and the Demon's Crest gets shattered. He has to travel across the land to recover all the gems he had. So it, it, it's kind of like... 
an adventure platformer, you know, Metroid-style game, and yet it's not because each area is divided up into very different uh, levels, and, like, you travel a world map, and it's just very clearly delineated into different levels. It's not all interconnected in one big map. Uh, but, like, the gems that you come across affect which areas you can go into. So, like, you might go through the cemetery the first time, and then you come back later with a different gem. You find that you could now open a door there you couldn't before, and you find out there's an entirely new section of this map you had no idea existed. And you find all kinds of new transformations, like uh, an aquatic gargoyle lets you go underwater, the air gargoyle, which lets you explore the sky, and all different permutations of different fire attacks you can get, all of which have different effects on the map and against certain enemies. This is one of the best Super NES games that nobody has played, and a large part of the reason for that is when you do manage to find it out there in the world, it usually costs 80 to $100. <laughs> but now it's on Super NES Online. It's free for subscribers. Don't sleep on this. This is a great game. Nice. Good sales pitch. I'm in. Uh, next up Tetris uh, 99 is getting a new update so there's a, an Invictus League uh, option now available which is for the, the best of the best the, the the lucky few that have actually won a match of Tetris 99 <laughs> of which I am one so I'm going to jump into that at some stage uh, and they've also added daily missions which is the sort of thing I felt that you thought it might have been lucking when it originally released yeah so, I might have kept playing if it had them, but it's like, it's like too yeah. late now. It's so far in the past for me. I'm so committed to too many other things now. It's like, okay, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next up, uh, they also uh, announced that Star Wars Jedi Knight 2 Jedi Outcast is coming September 24th. Uh, I really liked this one uh, on Xbox. <laughs> I remember getting Knights of the Old Republic and not understanding that that was like a an RPG and had you know the RPG combat <laughs> mechanics and being mega disappointed, and then ended up buying this instead, uh, and liked it a lot. Uh, I bet it has aged terribly, and it looked like it has aged terribly. <laughs> uh, I played it on. I I have the GameCube version, and I just never got very far. Like I don't even think I got far enough to get the lightsaber because. I'm sure, like, this was, like, 10 years ago yeah. that I did this, but, like, I'm sure my reaction was, your reaction is like, oh, this this is just not very good by today's standards, and uh, when I say that, I'm talking about, like, the late 2000s, so, <laughs> I, I, yeah, this, this game exists, I'm sure there's a lot of big fans for it that'll love it on the Switch, I'm just, I'm not one of them. Uh, even back then, I, th I felt that it was very, like, floaty and, like not really up yeah. to scratch for that generation but i did love it and i did see it through to finish uh i can't remember much about it but rankles and fighting them in some sort of well, like, this was like this is like one of the first games that like as you said as an action game not as an rpg lets you you know bust loose with a lightsaber and force powers yeah. this was one of the first star wars games that really let you do that which is why it was a big deal which we've had many 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 star wars games since that have now let you do that so it, it doesn't seem so special anymore. yeah uh okay uh they also announced assassin's creed the rebel collection is coming december 6th so this includes black flag and the the last gen assassin's creed that came out at the same time called rogue rogue um yeah i have played neither but black flag looks very good and it must have been good enough 
that they wanted to create their own non-Assassin's Creed pirate game, which is still to release that I have no interest in. Um, <laughs> yep. But uh, yeah, that that's coming out. So it looks like Assassin's Creed 3, which was the one that no one wanted on Switch, was a tester for the one that everyone wanted on Switch. <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, I think I will give that one a go just because of its reputation. Black Flag is very good. Like I played most of the old style assassin's creed games i haven't played origins or odyssey because uh, who has time uh but uh black flag is the only one that i don't look back on it's like why did i spend so much time on that stupid game <laughs> black flag is really good i'm totally into pl- replay it and rogue is based a lot on black flag so i'm interested to play that one nice. too uh it's out in december i will definitely be talking about it then. cool uh now they had a lengthy animal crossing uh, island life uh, segment um, but had nothing new in it which was weird but we thought we had to mention it because it was like seven minutes of the direct in a handy information package I think the only new thing I saw was wind blowing the trees <laughs> um, so there you go wind fans check that out uh, and then the final announcement was Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Editions, a remake of the original Xenoblade Chronicles, uh, which I played through when it first came to the new Nintendo 3DS, uh, and I loved it. Um, If I could cross this original game with Xenoblade Chronicles 2's combat, that would be, like, a perfect RPG for me. Uh, That's coming Mm. sometime in 2020. Based on your experience with Xenoblade Chronicles 2, would you be interested in picking that one up, or are you just sort of done with that? series it was the character designs in xenoblade chronicles 2 that you know just irritated me more than anything that kept driving me away uh there were no um let's call them designers involved in the adult entertainment industry involved in the creation of this game (laughs) so i don't think that's going to be as much of a problem for me um and i actually have it on wii i I paid premium bucks for it because I i I thought I would never see it again if I didn't buy it <laughs> then and there. Uh, but this would probably be the version that I play, you know, just on on the virtue of being able to play it portably. And if you've seen the screenshots of the new character models, they are gorgeous, especially compared to the, the very flat and expressionless, you know, basically PlayStation 2 models yeah. in the original game. Yeah, I, I think this would be a great way to play this for... For someone like me who is only aware of it by reputation. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, and with that, that's all the direct stuff out of the way. So uh, let's jump on to what we've been playing this last week. Okay, Andrew, we're going to start with you. Uh, you've been checking out the Spyro Reignited Trilogy. Uh, how is that one holding up for you? Uh, the Spyro Reignited Trilogy is a combination of the first three Spyro games... From the PlayStation 1, uh, Spyro the Dragon, Spyro 2, Ripto's Rage, and Spyro Year of the Dragon. Uh, And they're brought to us from the developer Toys for Bob, who also made the Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy that I played last year. And unlike that game, I actually have been having a pretty good time with this game. Uh, The Spyro the Dragon games are 3D platformers, but they're focused on very small, densely populated levels and that really stood out you know in the golden age of the 3d platformer in the late 90s early 2000s because in most other 3d platformers especially on the nintendo 64 when you look at like you know like the banjo kazooie and all that stuff that that rare was doing levels were getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and it was 
having diminishing returns. Like the games just became such a chore to play that people didn't like playing them anymore. Uh, but the Spyro the Dragon series did not have that problem because the levels are so small and compact and all the things you need to find are like just, just everywhere. You sneeze and you, you find a bunch of gems in a bush. <laughs> and that system, I feel like, has really held up. But, you know, I also have a lot of background in 3D platformers. It's probably I've spent more time than most people playing these kind of games and even games like donkey kong 64 in spite of my criticisms of them i still really enjoy them so i am a 3d platformer fan so that probably informs my feelings towards this trilogy of games so take everything i say with a grain of salt if if you don't like 3d platformers i don't think these this this release is going to change your mind uh but these are three gorgeous looking games like i could tell that like the crash bandicoot insane trilogy was a gorgeous game on other platforms but they had derezzed it so much to get it running on the switch that it just didn't look very good everything was fuzzy and the animations were great but the resolution just was not there to you know really sell that effect but uh reignited trilogy does not have that problem because this is the full-sized game and in order to get it all on there even though i got the physical version i have to download some another nine gigabytes of data onto my sd card to get the game to run but the trade-off is the game looks fantastic so it's worth it and you can especially tell this in in the remake of the first game uh because like Every single dragon that you rescue in that game has a unique design and unique animations, and there's like 70 plus of these dragons, so you can tell they really put a lot of work into the visual design, especially of the first game. But the visual quality does drop when you're playing in handheld mode in some levels, and I really noticed this change drastically from level to level to level, but... That was mostly in regards to like lighting effects, where uh, there would be an effect in the background. I think it's called dithering, where like colors would separate, and instead of like this gradual change based on how much shadow was in the area, there would just be like this kind of mesh grid that showed up, and it didn't look great. You could see like all the individual pixels, and th that was like the worst thing I saw in the handheld mode. It really wasn't that big a deal and it only happened in i think levels with really extreme light differences and the soundtrack is utterly forgettable it's super generic uh it's the kind of music you might hear in some of your nicer elevators or department stores it's it's not great stuff uh but there are a lot of quality of life improvements for this trilogy uh sparks your little dragonfly companion who doubles as your life meter can also now act as a compass, pointing you to uncollected gems in all three games. Makes it a lot easier for 100% completion if that's your jam, which it is mine, so I've really appreciated that feature. And there's a new journal that logs all the collectibles on every stage and allows you to fast travel to any stage you want rather than running around the hub. And there's new, they call them skill points for some reason, even though what they are is achievements uh, hidden in some levels are new challenges you can accomplish and when you complete them you earn a skill point which you know when you call it a skill point you expect like an rpg system no it's a point that represents skill <laughs> <laughs> there's no actual rpg mechanics in this that threw me off a little bit i don't know why they called them skill points but 
those have been kind of fun to pursue, but they have felt very, you know, tacked on. They haven't felt they haven't felt like a, uh, an organic part of the game that was originally there. They they do really just feel like let's stick a stump here and then let's give an, the player an achievement for ramming into it with Spyro. <laughs> so yeah, uh, but at the same time, like I think they could have made some more drastic changes maybe it's still too faithful in some areas like this is 2019 why are we still doing extra lives in 2019 but th- these games aren't very difficult so like i i have not once run out of lives so it's not that big a deal uh and all three games in this starting with spyro the dragon which i have 100 completed uh in the past week uh, and spyro the dragon is the first game in the series you're introduced to spyro who is basically a goat but he can also glide and breathe fire. Uh, but that, that's where his primary skills come from, including his main method of attack, which is ramming into enemies, headbutting them with his horns. Spyro, like, once you realize he's basically a goat, it's really hard to ignore it. <laughs> uh, and uh, Spyro is just this young adolescent dragon hanging out in the dragon realm, and all the other dragons manage to attract the ire of this guy called Nasty Nork, who has the ability to turn creatures into gems. So all the other dragons in the world, all the adult dragons, they get turned into crystals, and Spyro has to set off on his journey to free all of them from this crystallized form. The result is, on this, as you go through each of the very small levels, is the dragons aren't really, you know, hidden like you would expect in a 3D platformer. They're just they're just kind of there at different points in the level, and they basically represent checkpoints. So if all you're really trying to do is just rush through the game and find all the dragons, you can do that pretty quickly, pretty easily. That's not where the challenge is. The challenge is, is in finding all of the gems from the dragon horde that have been stolen as well because enemies have them and the rest of them are just strewn around the levels so if, if you do find all those that's where most of your effort is going to be going into and this next part i really appreciated uh we've talked about this and this is kind of a thing in game design that's coming back is simplicity like breath of the wild amazing game everybody loves and you don't get any new skills uh past like the first hour of the game uh spyro the dragon is the same thing your skills you start the game with are all the skills you'll use throughout the entire game and that is definitely to the game's strength uh when you get to a level you can already do everything in it if you take the time to do it or you can just move on to get past it if you want to there's no need for backtracking after you've gotten a new skill later on because there are no new skills and you just go through the levels, rescuing crystallized dragons, chasing down uh, egg thieves, which is really fun because some of those levels chasing the egg thieves basically turn into roller coasters, and it's just a, a really good time. Of these three games, this is absolutely my favorite one, owing entirely to its simplicity because the other games, they got bigger budgets as the series got more popular, and I think that that might have hurt them. Although, you are welcome to disagree with me, because I know that Ripto's Rage and Year of the Dragon have people who are huge fans of them, and yay for you. Uh, Ripto's Rage uh, picks up right after Spyro the Dragons. Uh, Spyro and Sparks, after having saved the world, uh, are setting off on a well-earned vacation. They go through a magic portal. Uh, coincidentally, at the same time that another group of people who are being menaced by this villain called Ripto 
uh, open a magic portal of their own, and the portals intersect, and Spyro finds himself in this new land with a new enemy and his new friends that he has to help defeat. This is a larger and more open game, but it does still feel very tightly designed. The levels still aren't all that big, and what you do in this one, instead of rescuing crystallized dragons, is you're searching for talismans. Uh, that each of the races in each individual world have, and if you collect them all, then you can open the doors that lead to the bosses. And also, he's looking for the magical orbs, which activate the portal that will get him home. And to get those, you actually have to do quests for different people, so you do have to, you have to explore the levels, you have to find the quest to complete, and then you have to complete them, and there's usually some activity you have to do in the process of completing those. So it's, it's a much slower paced game as a result and Spyro also acquires new skills over the course of the game so he does have to backtrack to do things that he couldn't do before it feels like a more ambitious game and it has a lot more moving parts to it so there's more things that can go wrong and things did I encountered several bugs in this game where basically I had to leave a level and re-enter in order to finish a goal but nothing game breaking i still managed to get a 100 percent completion on this game as well in the past week and then year of the dragon is the third game once again after having defeated ripto and returned home with his new friends there's a new menace that shows up uh, a sorceress from the other side of the world steals all the baby dragon eggs basically and spyro has to set out and reclaim them and he's the only one who can actually get there because he's the only dragon small enough to actually travel through the tunnel network to get to where the eggs are at there's always some excuse why the adult dragons are worthless uh but from what i've read uh is toys for bob put so much effort into the remaking of the first game and you can really tell especially with all of those unique dragons for everyone you rescue that they had to rush to finish ripto's rage and they had to outsource the third game entirely to a different developer just to get the trilogy out uh and you can really tell like this uses the same engines the same graphics it's still gorgeous to look at but like the animations are a little more robotic and they repeat themselves more often and just the game just just feels just a little bit different from the first two games because it was made by a different developer and that 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 feel that 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 offness is unhelped by the fact that like the original year of the dragon game clear back in the playstation one era was rushed so that way it could come out in the year of the dragon uh so a lot of the things that are in it are not the best considered ideas a lot of them are really half-baked Uh, It does bring back some concepts that were dropped in Ripto's Rage, Uh, like my favorite thing in the first game. The Egg Thieves do come back in this, and I love seeing them again, and the levels you have to chase them through are even wackier. Uh, But it also just copies things wholesale. Like, there's there's a quest in Ripto's Rage where you help a caveman reassemble his friend out of, like, bones that these dinosaurs have stolen. That quest is back, like, the exact same thing it even plays the exact same dancing animation when you finish it it's the exact same quest (laughs) it's super lazy and it has all the things that were going on in 3d platform design at the time that doesn't help it like bigger levels still not as big as other franchises were getting but the levels are bigger 
there's partner characters, there's vehicles, there's mini games, there's this absolutely atrocious skateboarding mini game because Tony Hawk Pro Skater was huge at the time. So what the heck? Let's have our own skateboarding game, even if it sucks. <laughs> I think I finally got through the skateboarding, the last of the skateboarding mini games tonight, and I'm so happy that I don't have to do this awful skateboarding mini game any anymore. It's just the problem of too many ideas. Uh, when you have too many ideas, you're not refining them into having one good one. And Spyro was fine. Like, we don't need a kangaroo and a yeti partner to also play as. The, the game did not need that. But they are here in Year of the Dragon. And a lot of these characters embody, like, national cultural stereotypes. Like, there's Sheila, who's a kangaroo woman with an Australian accent, and she has a didgeridoo theme song. Mm. It's, like, super obvious stuff. Like, basically all she has to do is make a joke about uh, Dingo stealing her baby for her to be just the ultimate 90s Australian. <laughs> uh, and, like, they, they could have gone all in on this, and they didn't even do that. Like, some of the stereotypes are super lazy. Like, there's this one level you go to that is based on Rome and the characters are all tigers they should have been wolves because in the in mythology wolves were involved in the founding of Rome but we got tigers for some reason <laughs> year of the dragon is um it's a fine game it's it's not unplayable but it, it's it very much embodies the excess of the era and embodies why people got sick of 3d platformers and why there was a good 10-year period where people basically didn't make them anymore <laughs> uh so it's it's definitely the weakest of the three but just for the first game alone just to see all the the, the care and attention that went into remaking the first spyro the dragon and then ripto's rage is is fine as well it's it's also weaker than the first game but it's still a good game and then the third one you know it's good and you got all three packaged in in one thing in an incredibly like gorgeous game like if you grew up playing these games i think you'd enjoy this and if you're interested in the history of games as i said with collection of mana uh, i think you would this would be a a an interesting way to play these games versus you know just going back and playing the playstation one originals so uh definitely a thumbs up for me overall but there are there are things about it you need to be aware of. And also, uh, Crash Team Racing is also having a tie-in with it right now. If you go back and play that, uh, they basically have like a battle pass right now that's, that's completely free. Uh, where if you participate in races and do some activities and it gives you a whole list of things you can do, you can start unlocking Spyro characters and Spyro cards to play as. So that's worth keeping in mind if you're a Spyro fan and you happen to have a copy of Crash Team Racing. Nice. Uh, it sounds like you had a much better time with that than the Crash trilogy, at least. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I did not utterly loathe these games like I did the Crash <laughs> trilogy. Okay, so I've been playing uh, Astral Chain. Uh, came out uh, last Friday, but I wanted to actually have time to put some time into it. Uh, I'm actually half the way through looking at the, the number of chapters and where I am at the moment, which is chapter six. So uh, just on the, the cusp of the halfway point. Um, just want to say initially, like, I I adore this game. Um, it took me a while to get there. Uh, there are some little factors that I, I thought were going to annoy me, but have since clicked and now I'm all in. Uh, so Astral Shane, uh, story you play as... Uh, one of a pair of uh, male and female twins 
uh, you basically pick your twin in the the start uh, you have a surprising amount of customization over how they look i wasn't expecting that uh, they also share hairstyles so they're not like gender specific but you still have to pick either a male or female twin um and then you just jump in into this world it's it starts with a you know big action mission as as platinum games tend to do and basically both twins are rookie cops sent out to this dis- disturbance that then they start seeing or not seeing these these enemies uh they're sort of like see-through and they can't tell what's happening so they're fighting them off the best they can uh the enemies are called chimera uh and just as they're about to lose their also cop dad who's in this elite force uh turns up to save them and this elite force uses supernatural creatures called legions now just before i move too far on the the thing with the twin is weird because you select your twin and then the other one gets the name akira and they have heaps of dialogue like they talk for your character a lot but then your character doesn't talk at all which feels really weird uh i don't know what they were thinking there or why you know they didn't just voice both i'm I'm fine with that uh both platinum have a history of creating interesting player characters so I i don't know why they went that route here that was one of the initial things that sort of it just feels off like in such a character driven game you get further into story everyone in the elite force uh, loses their legion uh, except for you uh, and basically you're the only character who can then go through and get them all back so you're sort of like that's where you become the hero character um, and you sort of unlock them all as you progress through the game part of the story here is like I've, I've just come into this fresh off watching uh, Evangelion for the first time on Netflix and there are heaps of parallels with that series um so like the the people that are selected to wield legions are identified uh early in their childhood um because of like science tests and their performance and they get elected to then be legion wielders they're they're the way they work with the legions relies on sync rates, which will be familiar with anyone from who's seen Evangelion. Um, and similar to Evangelion, the the legions have sort of sketchy origins. Uh, they they make that a lot clearer here. Uh, basically, legions are chimera taken from their dimension and then shackled, basically forced to be friendly, uh, much like the AV units in Evangelion. Uh, so uh and much like evangelion the the shackles help keep the creatures in line until it doesn't for story i know a few people have had reservations around the 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 slavery topic andrew i know you were one that was one of your off-putting factors for this as well as the the anime anime anime-ness canceled my pre-order okay so i i just want to like state like they at no point do they paint the chimera as anything but like mindless world destroying creatures so there is that it's never like like it never poses the question about are they free of will or anything like that they're the chimera that you're capturing are also being controlled by something else so i i've yet to see how that play out like maybe they will humanize the chimera later on in the game but i'm definitely not seeing that i I never felt like that was a subject it raised in that way i didn't feel like it was saying they were slavery i just felt it was more like we're going to even the score against this thing that's trying to destroy our world and that's the only way it is portrayed um 
So I can get why people th- were thinking about that sort of thing before release. Uh, currently, that's not my my reading of the game at all. Other people might see that differently, I'm not sure. Um, the other thing was about how it glorifies the police force, like you're in this elite unit, it's all very, you know, heroic, and I know some people have written about how how that is an issue. Um, someone we know who uh, digitally downloaded.net uh, wrote a piece uh, about that, and basically is about uh, people, it's a it's about Japanese police in Japan, and Japan as a country doesn't have the same tensions with its police force as, you know, obviously the US does right now. Um, so, although, like, you can't control how people receive a story like this in other regions once it's released in other regions, I just think it's a worthwhile thing to point out. Like, it's, it, you know, it's a different cultural perspective set in the world of their own culture. So, yeah, it's it's not quite as um you know here nor there as you might think going in but uh, yeah just just something to to keep in mind if you if you come come into play this one um i'm i'm absolutely not sure if the game is actually going to say anything yet uh it's certainly posing questions which it may or may not deliver deliver on i'm trying to avoid most of the writing on this because i want to see see that for myself so i will update you should my opinion on that change at all uh, Gameplay-wise, this is absolutely a platinum action game, and from that perspective, it is a ridiculous amount of fun to play. Uh, so, basically, as the player character, you can attack yourself, so you can use a quick melee, a heavy melee, or a gun. It's technically the same weapon, called an X-Baton, uh, and you just switch between them with the up and down arrows. Uh like other Platinum games, it has the last second dodge equals slow down time for a brief period, uh, which is a lot less generous than in like the likes of Bayonetta's Witch Time, uh, but it is there and can help you get a foothold in a fight if you're being bombarded. Then you throw in the legions, so you can summon a legion at any time, but they are limited, they need to recharge after a while, and that's sort of uh, done in that they sort of get a bit cranky at you. Uh, using the same button that summons them, you can like direct them at particular enemies, bring them back, uh, use them to pull you closer to the fight. Uh, they also have unique actions and abilities too, so there's stuff for crowd control or uh, like debuffs you can put on enemies. All these things are upgradable. Um, so they have unique abilities that help them outside of combat as well. So like the first legion you get is the sword legion. He has the Metal Gear Rising style pause and slice, uh, and that's for like puzzles where you have to c- cut electric power. Or even in combat, you can get a force field covered enemies with a little follower that's projecting the force field around them from behind. Yeah, and you need to sort of cut that link before you can damage the bad guy. Uh, they are chained to you at all times, hence the, the astral chain. That sort of limits the distance you can move them, but it also gives you some neat tools, so you can pull down the left trigger and move them independently of your character. Um, this was one of the biggest learning curves for me, because it, it it felt like uh, rubbing your stomach and patting your head at the same time, but once it clicks, it makes for some like really, really good combat. Uh, so, first of all, you can actually circle your... Uh, 
legion around an enemy which will chain them down for a brief period uh you if they signal a dash and you get your chain across their path you can actually throw them back and stun them um yeah and when once you get into the swing of doing all this stuff that's when the combat just feels a joy to play um some of those out of combat abilities you'll be traversing the levels and there'll be areas where you can't get to yet because you don't have the right legion you can tell this is where you're meant to go back and play a chapter this is like a common thread in a lot of uh you know character action games and and platinum games where you know it, it encourages replaythroughs. um and then the other thing you can do is uh clean your uh, maintenance uh, perform maintenance on your legions and customize them so you can change their colors uh you player character can also be customized with different outfits and different like armor colors and stuff um items that help you in the game are managed weirdly so there's two types there's field items which will just uh, accumulate and stay consistent across all the the whole adventure and you get temp items which are uh can only be used in the chapter you're in and you'll lose them if you don't use them uh there's a bunch of side quests to do, so the the rhythm of the game is basically you start in the police station, you ch- you chat to some people, you restock things, blah blah blah. There might be some side missions there. Then you'll move on to a, a location. Uh, from there, you could go straight into combat. There could be some detective work where you actually use like a the in-game thing to look at crime scenes, find evidence, talk to people, eavesdrop on non-talkative ones using your legion because no one else can see them, Um, and then you sort of get a pop quiz about what's happening so you can then move on to the next bit. It's not all just just combat in that way. There's also a thing called orders which was very very easy to miss but it's a a menu uh, option and it's basically it's almost like achievements so you'll you'll tick things off for um, like completing game actions or using the in-game photo mode to take photos of story important events and this will unlock you more colors and things for your legion and for your character and it'll also give you some of the currency that you need to unlock some of the skills for the legions in their own skill tree one thing i did find was the the default controls were very weird i couldn't get my head around playing a platinum game and using the right trigger for all attacks including melee or especially melee really um it just didn't sort of click with me so i switched to the config uh, d uh, which put the attack on the face buttons and then the the dodge on the right trigger and that just felt a lot more natural but I did have to sort of reprogram my brain for some of the stuff I had gotten used to but I'm there now uh, so now it feels a lot more like Bayonetta and I've been much happier with that since. Uh, weirdly uh, they they really get you to go they want you to play it on casual difficulty it seems because that's the one they press at the beginning of the game and they keep pestering you if you want to change it before every chapter uh but if you play on anything other than platinum standard then you don't get the ranking system so no like a rankings s rankings or anything like that so i've been playing on platinum standard and that has been perfectly fine so far it's got the nice balance between challenge and progression i haven't hit any stopping points um most of the big bosses have like a way to beat them a pattern that makes it a lot easier so once you figure that out the game is, is perfectly fine um the last thing i wanted to talk about was the the visual fidelity um i don't think i'm being hyperbolic when i say i think this is the best looking game on the switch full stop i don't think it would look out of place on other platforms in its current state although i could see how they they could improve it it helps that the visuals are super 
stylized, uh, but like every environment is dense, rich with detail. Uh, textures are super high quality uh, and equally there's a lot going on at any given time especially in fights with your character your legion uh, all these unique mechanics that it has to track and it hasn't chugged once on me um, even in handheld mode Andrew I saw you share a, a screenshot about uh, docked versus handheld um, the screenshot was dire yeah well Honestly, like I have, I saw that, and since I've been playing, like I spent a good half an hour trying to replicate that and get it to look that bad in handheld, and I cannot, for the life of me, get it to look like that. So I, I don't know where they were or, or what they were doing. Like it looks ju- just as good in handheld. So yeah, I, that was the biggest surprise for me. I did not think this game would look as good as it did or perform as well as it does. So yeah. Um, that's where I am with that. I'm halfway through. I absolutely adore it. Uh, probably up there is one of my favourite games of the year so far. Um, we've still got Link's Awakening to, to come yet, so I'm sure, sure it'll probably get displaced. But yeah, it's super fun. Uh, yeah, enjoying it a whole lot. So uh, I'll, I'll keep you updated and let you know when I've finished it. Okay, Andrew, the final game we're going to talk about this week is Creature in the Well, which uh, you've been playing. Let us know what you think about that. Creature in the Well is an indie, I guess you could call it a dungeon crawler. It was first revealed at one of the indie directs earlier in the year, and it looked really cool. I was super into this idea of playing as this maintenance robot that goes down into the bowels of this machine that is supposed to help revitalize this civilization up on the the desert surface. Uh, But there's a problem. There's a creature down there in this machine, and... The creature is visible in town in the well, and every time you die, that's where the creature throws your battered machine corpses back out of that well. So that's why it's the creature in the well. Uh, And this game's gimmick and how it repeatedly sold itself was it incorporates a lot of pinball elements into its dungeon crawling. Uh, You go down into the well and... You go into each room, and you need to generate power to progress. Uh, All the doors need to be powered up. And you do that by working with these orbs of energy that are located in each room, and you knock them into different elements around the room. There might be, like, walls or bumpers or, like, turrets that shoot things at you that you have to fire these orbs into, and by hitting these things enough then they become inactive and you get a little power boost and you use that power boost that you accumulate to open the doors throughout the dungeon now if that doesn't sound like pinball to you that's because it's not pinball this game is breakout i don't know why it was sold repeatedly as pinball this is absolutely a dungeon crawling take on the classic pc game breakout where you uh use a paddle to knock a ball into a lot of tiles at the top of the screen and if you hit them enough then you break them all out and if you destroy all the tiles then you've cleared the level it's the same concept you know you you clear all of the bumpers and all of the walls and all of the turrets and all of the whatever else in the room and you, you you clear that room and you move on to the next one and that's where i'm running into trouble because doing this is not fun and it's not easy. Uh, I, I, that's a terrible way of saying it. Uh, not, things shouldn't automatically be easy. But 
the way it's challenging is just frustrating. Uh, it's not engaging. Getting these orbs to move around the room, you have to take the player character and you have to literally whack these orbs with one of two tools that you have, and you get a little arrow that points in the direction that the thing is going to be going, but you don't need an arrow for precision. You need a laser pointer so you can see how your ricochets are going to move around the room. And that's just information that you don't get. And I, I struggled with this game for over an hour, just having absolutely no fun. And a lot of the rooms are on a timer, so if you can't clear the room out entirely, you have to start it all over from scratch. So I'm just futilely knocking these balls around the room into things, and I'm almost done, and then time runs out. And I have to start the whole room over again, which is incredibly demoralizing. And then there are other rooms where it's not just clearing the obstacles. There are also damage fields and lasers that appear around the room that you have to dodge while you're trying to knock these balls around. This game, a lot of the buzz I read about it up to its release was difficulty, and that is absolutely well-earned reputation. This game is hard, not in a fun way, and I, I've already given up on it. I did not enjoy this at all. I Steam has a feature that lets you refund a game you don't like if you've only played it for a couple hours. If the Switch had that feature, I would absolutely be using it for this game. I am so disappointed. Do not recommend. Uh, and I'm sorry. Okay, so what are we playing this week, Andrew? Uh, Blasphemous, a uh, adventure platformer, is out. Tuesday and Star Wars Pinball is out Friday. Don't laugh. Pinball is awesome. <laughs> and if there's time, Torchlight 2 and Celeste is getting some downloadable content. Uh, but only if there's time. Cool. Uh, I'm going to be finishing Astral Chain, uh, continue on with Doom 3, which has been taking uh, the backseat to Astral Chain for me this week, uh, and Fire Emblem in between, which I'm still playing in a couple of in-game weeks at a time. Uh, and we're not sure what Jenny's playing. We'll we'll catch up with her when she's back. That's it for episode eighty nine. Thanks for listening to the Switch Focus podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us to get noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, TuneIn, and other podcast services. Be sure to join our Discord server to interact with the lively Switch Focus community. Follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and at switchfocuspodcast.com for updates, news, and other content. Links are in the show notes. If you'd like to support the show, you can buy us a coffee. Details are on our website. Thanks in advance. And if you'd like to follow us individually on Twitter, you can do so. I'm at Flame Rose Toast. Andrew is at Play Critically. And he also streams at twitch.tv forward slash play critically. And Ginny is at Ginny Woes.